You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 198, Adam Geller of Edthena. Hi, this is Rod Murray. Welcome back to my podcast. That little teaser was from a song called If Every Day Were Christmas by Podsafe for Peace. Very unusual piece. It was a collaboration between 32 singers from nine different countries. I'll play the full song at the end of my podcast. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I am very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulsepodcast to learn more. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is RodsPods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. In this episode, I interview Adam Geller, who's the founder and CEO of Edthena. Edthena is, quote, the complete solution for teacher growth, leveraging classroom videos for reflection and best practices, end quote. I haven't covered K-12 educational technology very often, and this one really piqued my interest, as you'll see, pretty unique. We discuss their video-powered professional learning. Of course, we hear about Adam's background and how he found it at Athena. We talk about how the teachers using their product record themselves. It's used in teaching methods and in field experiences. In practice, the professor would timestamp comments on the video created by the teacher candidate, and they could ask questions or have a suggestion, uh, list a strength or note. It allows for professional standards video tagging, it's also used in higher education centers for teaching excellence. Of course, it can be used in the classroom or online. In fact, uh, using it for Zoom classes is very easy since you're probably already recording your Zoom video. But what they add to it, which is important, especially in uh, supporting school district privacy and security requirements, they can mask individual students' names or faces if required. So without further ado, here's my interview with Adam Geller. So Adam, thank you so much for uh, speaking to my audience today. I'm really excited to learn more about you and uh, Edthena. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So if I have this right, you're the founder and CEO of Athena. And before I get into asking you a bunch of questions about the application itself, I'd love to hear more about your background and um, I'd love to hear about the, you know, the story of entrepreneurs and how you got started in, uh, with all of this. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think uh, my story starts in a classroom. I was a classroom teacher in St. Louis, Missouri. I taught ninth grade and eighth grade science. And, you know, I remember in my first year of teaching, uh, just as many teachers uh, feel, I wanted to be the best teacher I could for my students. And uh, unfortunately, there was no one with science expertise who was available to come in my room and give me feedback. 
you know, I always make sure to give credit to my principal who uh, just didn't have that background. You know, I, I don't want to suggest it was my principal not coming in. She was supporting me in the way she could, uh, but she didn't have science teaching uh, background. And so, you know, it is that experience firsthand from the classroom that I took with me as I continued in roles outside the classroom and started to, you know, really kind of see a pattern of, of constraint in the the world of educators. It wasn't just my one school or my one classroom in St. Louis, but it is all schools and all districts and all teacher education programs who struggle to provide the right amount of feedback uh, to teachers throughout their professional journey. Because fundamentally, it's really hard to have the right person in the right place at the right time to give teachers feedback and support. What made you decide you needed to solve this problem and how'd you go about uh, forming a company? Sure, yeah. So um, at the time that uh, the kind of uh, lightning struck, I guess, uh, I was on the national strategy team of an organization called Teach for America. And so in that role, I was looking across different contexts and thinking about uh, technical solutions for some internal challenges that they were working on at the time. And, uh, you know, this is uh, way back, if, if, you, if you remember the days when our cell phones uh, didn't have any cameras or video cameras in them, and the, the hot thing on the market was flip video cameras. Uh, and so, uh, you know, for those who have never seen that, this was a, a portable camera that had a, a, I don't remember how much video it could, it could record, uh, but it had a USB connector built in and some software that made it very easy to get that video online. And so it was the presence of that hardware combined with seeing uh, a music player tool called SoundCloud, which enables comments on audio, that made me think, huh, what if you built this timestamped commenting, but for videos, uh, maybe you wouldn't need to have that coach or that school leader or that university supervisor physically go into the classroom every single time in order to see the teaching that's happening. You could really turn it around, give teachers the tools to record themselves easily, upload that video and share it to somebody who could give them feedback. Uh, so that was, um, let's see, summer of 20. 10. And uh, in uh, February of 2011, I was uh, full-time building the company into what it is now. Terrific. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't heard the flip phone for a while, but uh, it was right around that time I started my second major career at, at a university. And uh, yeah, flip phones were just getting started then. So yeah, I, I, I know those days. So um, how did you get support? How did you uh, get funding to, do you have other, do you have venture capital funding? I'm just curious how, from an entrepreneur standpoint, uh, how you got mm -hmm. this rolling. Yeah. So at the very beginning, um, you know, now we, by the way, uh, again, it's all about remembering the different contexts. So today I think there's a, a kind of a healthy and vibrant ecosystem for uh, let's call it ed tech as a general category, um, you know, a decade ago, uh, that wasn't the case. And, uh, so, um, the initially the, you know, when I left my role 
uh, at Teach for America, I was offered a fellowship through the Kauffman Foundation, which is the foundation for entrepreneurship and education. And so they were running a, um, a special a fellowship program for education entrepreneurs that helped provide, um, you know, the money to, 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 to pay the rent and pay the food bills, so to say, for a few months. Uh, so that's what uh, really was the initial uh, seed money that enabled me to do that. Um, you know, I think the critical thing in this, uh, to be quite honest, though, is not the amount of money. Um, the critical thing to getting it across the threshold from doing a lot of investigation, uh, researching, talking to uh, university partners about the need and understanding what is possible in the research and, and all, all these things. Ultimately, what it was was a conversation with uh, an advisor in the education uh, technology world uh, and, you know, talking through with him like, okay, here's what I, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I think it would take to actually uh, get it done. You know, that's feeling like a lot of resources for me at the time from a, a capital perspective. And, and ultimately, you know, he just kind of uh, mentally, I guess, kicked me in the butt and said, you know, wait, that's all it would take. You should get going. Um, because I think, you know, when you're starting uh, an organization and you haven't done it before, um, the kind of scale and scope of things is hard to understand. And so, you know, for me at the time, what felt like, uh, you know, a crazy amount of money uh, to spend on on what was like a bet, uh, I guess, because you didn't really know. Um, you know, from his perspective, as someone who understood the real costs of building technology in the long term, he felt like I had um, come through with a way to build a prototype in a fashion that was very reasonable from a cost perspective. And, you know, I had to take the risk. Um, and, um, you know, I think that's that's what it's ultimately about. Uh, you have to have that conviction. Um, so I, I don't I, I tell that story because I wouldn't want somebody to hear this and feel like if there is a problem in the world that they feel like no one else is solving, um, that, you know, the secret ingredient is not venture capital. The secret ingredient is having a real solution and, uh, people who tell you that they will buy that solution. Um, because at the end of the day, and we all come with, with different resources and means, but it does take personal risk in order to make these things happen. Understood. Yes. Um, now if I gather from your, um, what you said initially, this is a product now that the teacher has uh, has a set up, sets up their own video in their classroom. They record this, and then they give it to their supervisor or their uh, uh, their faculty instructor or whatever mm -hmm. to to review and to comment and so on. Do, do I have that right? Do you want to expound a little bit more on uh, the functionality and and how it's used? In terms of how it's used, maybe that's the first place to start. Uh, you know, when we're talking in uh, higher education context, we're talking most often about a teacher training uh, context. Uh, but of course, there are a variety of scenarios where uh, university uh, researchers and faculty are working with in-service teachers. Um, but let's talk for a second about those uh, teachers who are in their training program. You know, I really think there are two big parts, uh, you know, when we think about the, the training program, and this is certainly an oversimplification, um, but, you know, you have 
the kind of classroom style learning, you know, a, a methods course. I'm learning the methods of how to teach math to elementary students. Uh, and then uh, you have, I think what many of us think about uh, when we think about teachers practicing to be teachers is the field experience, the, you know, teachers going out into the field and doing a variety of different uh, practice uh, opportunities to teach with live students. Um, so we actually work and support both ends of that process because you can imagine uh, for a methods course, for example, you know, if there is a, a particular way of facilitating, um, you know, there's there's one tactic called counting collections, right? So, okay, I, I learned about counting collections from my supervisor or sorry, my faculty member. Now I need to practice it. Uh, that's where Athena comes into play. Because I think ultimately what Athena is focused on is uh, building a tool set that supports a, an evidence-based approach to teacher reflection about how they're doing as a teacher, right? So, you know, it is the, it's not about thinking about how to be a teacher. It's about practicing how to be a teacher. Um, and, and in fact, I mean, that, that phrase, you know, gathering the evidence of practice, uh, it's why, uh, you know, we called our book evidence of practice because fundamentally, what are you doing when you go and record video of yourself in the process of enacting something, you are gathering the evidence of your practice, whatever your practice is, and whatever your craft may be. It occurred to me this would be a wonderful tool then to add to um, portfolio e-portfolio for for faculty. Has this been uh, adopted then by other by uh, uh, educational institutions to, uh, to add to an e-portfolio for their faculty um, students? For the university faculty or for the teacher candidates? I guess I initially I was saying teacher candidates. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we support, uh, you know, kind of a portfolio based approach for gathering evidence, uh, both in some uh, very kind of um, flexible, uh, you know, kind of loose ways, right? You might have the idea of assembling a portfolio to the highly structured ways of, you know, your portfolio has a certain exacting set of components uh, that you need to have as a capstone uh, kind of experience uh, to we also support uh, teacher candidates gathering their evidence into a secure portfolio for sharing via secure URLs. Uh, helpful if, you know, when they're applying for jobs, they can actually show their teaching. Um, and we even support um, an integration with a high stakes uh, portfolio assessment uh, that is used by teachers. So uh, I, that's the very long answer of yes, uh, we support portfolios in, in a wide variety of ways in our platform. Now, uh, this is obviously not a um, software demonstration here, but I did go on your website and watch one of your videos. So can you um, just uh, spend a minute uh, on on what this looks like uh, for the uh, supervisor faculty uh, looking at their their, their students? Uh, how, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think the heart and soul of what we do is really um, told through the story of the timestamped comments. So, um, you know, as a uh, faculty member who is looking at a teacher candidate, you know, that teacher candidate shared a video with you. Now you go in and you're watching that video and, you know, imagine the kind of, just like on any video player on any website, you'd see the, the playhead is kind of tracking along on the bottom, but instead of it just being a little line, there's a little plus sign. And so, you know, at two minutes and 12 seconds, 
when the teacher candidate does something really strong or maybe misses an opportunity, you hit that plus sign and everything pauses and you have four options on the comment type, question, suggestion, strength, and note. And then, so you, you kind of can categorize your comment, uh, you know, maybe leave more wait time or something like that if after a question. And then uh, really important as well, you can tag that comment to the professional standards that your program is using to talk about good teaching. So, you know, if your if your professional framework called that checks for understanding, you could tag that comment to checks for understanding. And then you hit submit and a marker pops up on the timeline so that when the teacher comes in to watch the video, they can see right there in the video at that moment there is a comment you know, a lot of people call this in real time, right? It's in real time with the video. Um, so it's it's valuable because not only are you able to leave that kind of uh, very free form comment, uh, but it is, you know, tied exactly in the moment to the underlying evidence that lead, is leading you to leave that comment for, for a teacher candidate. And it's that linking between the ability to see the evidence as well as with the feedback, um, you know, that's a process supported quite heavily through academic research as driving improvements in, in teacher practice. Interesting. Yeah, I, I can certainly visualize that, uh, what you're talking about. It occurs to me, um, um, if I was designing something like this, maybe I also have a, um, a text sort of uh, summary, um, uh, can you just list all these comments or categorize them sort of a, and, and use some analytics to come up with uh, some scoring or, or solutions? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, on the on the single video, you have the entire list of comments that you can um, not only scroll through, but you can reply back to them in a conversational, collaborative manner uh, in between people. So this is not a one-way platform. This is meant as a back and forth tool. Uh, but just as you're suggesting as well, and we do have uh, dashboards that help you both at the uh, group level for a group of candidates and also across your entire organization, ask questions like, how often are we leaving comments related to checks for understanding? And be able to you know, very quickly answer that in a variety of different ways. And if you are that University supervisor, uh, you know, more in the, the the chair of the direct feedback, uh, you know, you have additional tools to help you dial into specific videos that have you know specific types of comments or specific frequencies of certain things. Um, so absolutely, we think that you know it's actually fundamentally important to the way that we've approached uh, building our tools that uh, it is not just meant as you know, a tool set, tool set for an unstructured, unstructured process, but in fact is a platform that helps you understand improvements in teacher practice backed by data. Excellent. Yeah. That, that sounds like a very, very useful tool. Now, uh, as you, you might know, my background is always, my academic career has always been, uh, in professional schools, a medical school and then a pharmacy school. And uh, so uh, I'm not as familiar with, um, you know, education, uh, uh, colleges of education and how teachers are trained. Uh, I was wondering if you have any clients that uh, use this product um, outside of teacher education. 
You know, we don't uh, have a ton of usage outside of teacher education. Um, I think there are certainly opportunities there, uh, but I think, you know, you are right to kind of highlight some of the, the kind of echoes of the ways that, um, let's just take doctors, for example, are trained um, with standardized patients in a you know practice setting to practice diagnosing and practice giving care, um, that idea is uh, not only a parallel to what we do, but in fact we've implemented an idea uh, like that for teacher education. So, inside of our platform, um, you know, one of the tool sets we have for uh, faculty is to design, um, let's call them. Uh, a, a learning cycle, or they might call it an assignment or, or whatever for a course. Uh, but they have the ability to upload an example video uh, and share, you know, upload once, share to everyone individually for individual analysis. So uh, that's exactly like the standardized patient approach, because if all 27 of my candidates all look at the same video, I can very quickly go in and find out that candidate number one, uh, left the comments at approximately the correct moments, you know, at four minutes and seven minutes and candidate two and three and four, and they're all looking good. And wow, like candidates five, six, seven, and eight and nine really may need some extra support from me because they thought the key moments in this standardized video, this example video was, you know, minute two and, and 22. Um, so that, that same kind of approach of, um, using practice to drive an understanding of a professional's readiness to go operate in the field on their own uh, that's used in medical education uh, and, and other parts of the, the health careers uh, is uh, something that I, I, is not just a good parallel, but I think we have acted on as a way to bring it uh, to bear for uh, teacher candidates. Very good. You know, uh, your product reminds me a lot of, in a different realm, um, a product that came out uh, when it first came out. In fact, it came out of uh, Philadelphia and Drexel University, their their law school. Um, something called uh, Apprentnet, and it was a video platform uh, that allowed uh, law students to uh, react to case studies, and it was a way to gauge the students' uh, response as if they were in a courtroom. Let's say. Um, and each give their video responses and have the faculty um, go over them and mark them and and in a very similar way have um, you know time stamped uh, comments. That company was then then acquired by uh, Canvas and now I think their name changed to Practice Practice.xyz was their URL. So I'm wondering if if your uh, product um, might not have uh, a wider use in use in teachers, even in uh, secondary schools, using it in the classroom for students, much as the way they were, uh, it was being used when, during their training. Is, is that a possibility? Is that something you see happening? It's not actually um, for uh, a couple of reasons. Um, one, our platform is uh, focused on having adult learners. Um, you know, there are some important usage considerations from a legal perspective that you um, need to take into account. So I want to be very clear that, you know, our platform is, is marketed toward adults and adult learners. Um, but the reason for that decision originally is that, you know, what we heard from teachers is that 
while um, each of them works through how to convey to their students that they are themselves learners, uh, that, you know, a professional learner, uh, that they wanted a separate space to be doing that learning, um, that there was kind of a, you know, kind of an underlying question of like, well, if I upload my video to a platform, I wouldn't want to accidentally put my teaching video in the student review group, right? So there was this, you know, because the the idea of reflecting on one's practices is very personal. It takes a lot of vulnerability. And so um, it, it really is under this kind of bigger category of of decisions that we orient ourselves around is how do you help a teacher feel safe and secure to initiate that reflection process? And I think, um, you know, what we heard is when you introduce the the K-12 student into the same environment, it kind of disrupts that kind of, this is my safe island type feeling for the teachers. Understood. Yes, I, I can I can fully understand that. Uh, you know, uh, being um, in in higher ed and and knowing that um, most faculty in higher ed don't have a teaching degree, at least in professional schools that I've been involved with, I can certainly see how they would benefit by having uh, this product. Uh, so, do you see uh, this is a uh, an ex- expanded market for you to uh, promote it more in um, other institutions that uh, and not just uh, schools of education? Absolutely. You know, we have uh, worked with, they, they carry different names, but Centers for Faculty Excellence and, and things like that. The, the organizations on campuses that are supporting high quality teaching. Um, you know, I think that unlike in the world of teacher, a K-12 teacher professional learning and professional development, there are no requirements uh, from a standards and certification perspective for, for university uh, faculty and college faculty. So it really depends on, you know, the right culture to be in place. Uh, certainly one of the things that we've had discussions about in the past with folks is the kind of intersection of a large number of uh, non-tenure line faculty on teaching staff and needing to make sure that those faculty feel like they have a reason to stay. So from a kind of recruitment retention perspective, uh, having a tool to invest in those adjuncts teaching ability to help them feel like, you know, their partnership with university A versus college B is the decision they want to make, that it, it has a certain um, value and, and benefit, uh, especially in, in that particular scenario. Absolutely. Very interesting. You know, um, with the pandemic, we've a lot, a lot of our faculty, most institutions have moved to, uh, what we call, you know, emergency teaching using zoom. So I'm assuming that's happening obviously in teacher education. Does this, does your product work equally as well with, uh, online learning? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think what you need is a video of teaching and or learning, right? And so, you know, good good moment to remind us both that the videos are not just of a teacher at the front of the classroom, but it could be videos of uh, students in a classroom doing a variety of different things or teachers interacting with students. Um, so whether you are physically in a classroom or virtually in a classroom, I think the requirement is to have a video record of that 
learning episode. Um, and so in some senses, when you have folks facilitating learning uh, for their students via online platforms like Zoom, uh, you've reduced one of the, the kind of friction points, which is you didn't have to go look for the camera. You didn't have to go look for the record button. You just hit it because it's already there in the software. Uh, and, you know, so whether you're Zoom or Google Meet or anything else in between, uh, they all spit out a file that's a video file. And we take those video files and you're off to the races and running uh, for video analysis. Um, you know, so, and many of the things that define, uh, quote, good teaching um, can be analyzed and, uh, in, you know, kind of thought through um, in an online uh, online teaching context, similarly to how you would do it in an in-person context. Sure. I guess uh, that is kind of obvious, right? You just uh, make sure you hit the record button in Zoom and, and then you just upload it to your system. Sounds great. Yeah. You know, I, I the, the one thing that was a, a new pain point uh, during the pandemic with the use of platforms like Zoom is that you had uh, student names printed onto the screen of the grid of, of grid of videos, right? Because there's, uh, you know, all of the videos we have are, are protected and secure, but there's a different level of sensitivity between an image of a student in a classroom compared to the image of the student right above their name. Uh, so, and there's some context where you can't have the name, but you may have permission to have, you know, the likeness of the student. Uh, and so as a result, uh, you know, since the pandemic started so a while ago now, uh, we released a tool to add blurring into our videos so that teachers could mask certain areas of their videos. Uh, so, you know, in a classroom, that might be a whole portion of a, of a of an area of the classroom, but in an online context, they're just drawing little boxes to blur out all the names. Um, and in good news, this sounds like a simple idea, uh, but the, the funny part was is that, you know, this came to us from one of our university partners saying that, uh, you know, suddenly this was a huge uh, pain point for them with having videos of teaching compared to in-classroom videos. Um, and so there just really aren't tools on the market that let you add those, you know, click, click, click type masking over top of the names. Um, and so that's something that we built in response to more of these videos coming in. How about that? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you how the pandemic changed your business. So here's a perfect example. You actually were able to uh, tweak your application to uh, to fix that that particular issue. You know, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a techie uh, by nature. And uh, um, I how, how does this work with the, the LMS? Uh, just like any other video, is there anything especially you want to say about uh, integration with the LMS? The way that we run our security model is uh, that you can take permanent URLs from our platform and put them into the LMS uh, as like permanent pointers. The reason why we have this approach, if you think about the exact service that we provide, uh, you know, to a teacher training program is yes, facilitating the collection of videos that they're going to look at in the, in the context of some coursework, but that teacher education program is also using our tools in uh, coordination with, and with the permission of a local district. And one of the things they need to do when they go to the district and say, Hey, we're going to use video as part of our teacher training process, um, because it's, the right thing for candidates uh, because 
you know, many candidates are are digital natives and they expect this type of learning, all those things. Uh, but they also need to explain to that district how they're going to keep videos of their students in their district safe and secure. And so, um, you know, by basically creating a walled garden for all of those videos, we can promise to our users and by way of our users and our partner organizations to their district partners uh, that we will keep those videos locked down. Only the people who are supposed to ever see those videos will see those videos because we can enforce very tight security controls around being logged in, uh, being in the right group, actually actively loading the page, uh, even if you are technical in nature and you try and strip out the URLs to those videos, they expire automatically. Uh, and by the way, a security model that is robust enough that is the type of security model that I can describe to you. Um, so it's some, you know, security is one of the, you know, top line things that we think about when we're thinking about videos of K-12 students. And so for that reason, um, we don't have uh, anything beyond those kind of URL pointers. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of uh, jumping between the two, uh, you know, everybody puts a little button inside of their LMS that says log into Edvina and it's all kind of integrated from there. And, um, you know, we keep people logged in just like you stay logged into your Gmail and use some techniques for for making sure you're the right person. So it, it, it doesn't end up being a barrier, um, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to promise anyone that's listening to this any sort of um, you know object embedding inside of their LMS assignment, uh, just because, as I think everyone will agree, once you start doing that, you can no longer enforce the promise of "I will only let the people who are explicitly supposed to see this video to see this video." Understood. So, uh, so that uh, the button that they click is that so is there LTI integration for the faculty to get in? It's not. So they have to log in again to to your system. Yeah, it's a login. Uh, typically what happens is you log in during an account creation process. If you are on an organization that's using uh, you know, an SSO provider like Google, then you can use your Google authentication. Um, and then once you are authenticated, um, you know, the usage pattern is, is basically uh, periods of highly active usage. And then if you go away, you, you may not come back again for, you know, another six months, another course or something like that. So um, during that time of, of frequent usage, uh, we're using techniques to essentially recognize you um, on, uh, you know, as a user and, and tokenizing your identity and keeping you logged in. Got it. Got it. So um, just, uh, I think the audience like to find out a little bit about your, uh, how your business works. Is, is this something that um, a school district would, would have to make arrangements? It's something that's done at the teacher level. Um, uh, how, how does that work? Yeah, so we partner with the organizations who support teachers. So that is a school, a school district, a teacher education program, and even uh, professional development service providers as well. Uh, so we work with those organizations uh, who then, you know, enter into an agreement with us to provide the software to their teachers. Um, you know, so it is uh, from the teacher's perspective, a kind of streamlined process. And, um, you know, they're not involved in, in the idea of, um, you know, deciding if this is the right tool for them. Got it. Um, I always like to ask, uh, 
we're getting near the end. I want to be respectful of my audience time. And um, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, let us know if there's anything new uh, coming down the pike, any new features or uh, anything else you want to, any news you want to break here? <laughs> uh uh, no, <laughs> I'm laughing because there there may or may not be some big news in 2022. I cannot confirm or deny that, but uh, stay tuned uh, for those announcements that may or may not be coming, but not confirmed here. Okay, no problems. Why well, uh, this has been very interesting. I, I I have to admit I was a little bit. Um, uh, concerned that this might not be as useful for my 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 audience's higher ed, and I tend to ignore the fact that there's a whole other realm out there that uh, they're, they're not professional schools. Uh, there's a lot of teacher education that goes on, so I'm really happy that we made this connection, and uh, I, I wish you the uh, the best of luck uh, with this product. It sounds like a a, a wonderful thing, and um, anyway, thank you so much for uh, for talking with me today. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me on. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I learned a lot about what goes into teaching teacher candidates and think this would be a great product for use in professional education in other topics, not just teacher education. Importantly, I also have a link to the book written by Adam Geller called Evidence of Practice, Playbook for Video-Powered Professional Learning. So check it out on my show notes. Stay tuned for the full song, If Every Day Were Christmas, by Podsafe for Peace. Until next time, have a great week. In fact, have a great holiday. I'll see you again in January. First winter snow outside my window Feels like that time again to me The mistletoe a Christmas show And the lighting of that famous Christmas tree yeah. People are shopping for their loved ones And making plans for a Christmas
that's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of any other institution or company. 